What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dance and Talks, the podcast released from a live story Amsterdam. I'm Therese Salim, aka Teaser, and I'm your host and interview person for these episodes. I can't even begin to tell you what an honor it is for me to be able to talk with these amazing dancers from all over the world. Today is no exception, as I am going to interview one of the legendary ambassadors of Chicago Footwork. I'm going to interview King Charles. I don't even know where to begin with King Charles. He is an amazing dancer that has been doing a lot of things. Now, he was born and raised in Southside Chicago and moved around a lot. In the age of 14, he found footworking, one of the legendary stars originated from Chicago. He started to compete and also formed his first crew called Creative, later on Creation. As a 21-year-old, King Charles auditioned with his friends for Madonna's World Tour and got accepted and toured the world for several years. After that, King Charles had done a lot of different commercial gigs, but decided also to take the style outside of Chicago and the States and start touring on his own globally, teaching footworking to a lot of different countries. I'm so excited to share this episode with you, as me and King Charles are digging deep into personal development, dance, dreams, and unique stories. I enjoyed every second of talking with King Charles about his upbringing, how he got into dance, and what he has been doing with his passion and dreams throughout the years. One episode is not enough with King Charles, but this is where we're going to start. So before we get into it, you already know what to do. If you're listening to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or the other podcast platforms, don't forget to give us a rating, download the episode, and please share it with a friend. If you're listening and watching the video interviews on Facebook and YouTube, welcome to this episode, and thank you for watching our happy faces as we are talking with each other throughout this interview. If you have thoughts and questions about this interview, don't forget you can comment under every single video, and I will make sure I get the questions forward to the artists. Now, let's get it going. Welcome to this interview, King Charles. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? Wow, I am so happy to see you. I haven't seen you for years. Where in the world are you located right now? Um, right now, I'm in Arizona. Um, I've, I've been here. I've been here for about eight months now, and uh, I moved here from Los Angeles, living in Los Angeles for about eight years, and right before that. I was at home in Chicago because yeah, that's where I'm from. So yeah, for sure, and and that's that's nice. So you've been moving around a little bit, and do you do you like it, Arizona? Is it the place you feel like this is home now, or? Ah, oh, good question. You know, I was just talking about this yesterday, and to my mom, uh, my whole life I've moved from house to house. My whole life, I went to four high schools. I just always moved around 
And it was more because of safety, you know, because Chicago has a lot of crazy places. So my mom just wanted to keep us out of trouble. Um, And every place, we made it feel like home, Mm. you know? So that old saying about home is where the heart is, I really believe in that. Um, So I'm enjoying my time in Arizona right now. You know, I like the way people live out here. but I can't promise you I'll be here forever. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we can promise anything in these times. You know, whatever yeah. happens is very unknown. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely want to. I want to get into a little bit where you grew up because for for me and for a lot of other Europeans, uh, maybe Southside Chicago isn't saying that much uh, more than what we have heard on the TV and stuff. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about what is unique with growing up in Southside Chicago and how has it shaped you and your personality? So I feel like the way that what, what's unique about Chicago, Chicago, like Southside of Chicago and how it's kind of shaped me is, uh, well, the main thing I always, I say, and I know this is probably going to sound crazy, but, This is just how I feel. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people in Chicago can agree with me if they grew up in those black and Latino hood kind of communities. Um, In my opinion, I feel like we've gotten like one level under military training as far as safety is concerned, as far as knowing how to uh, see danger before it comes. Um, Because... Growing up, there was it was always action. There was it was uh, in the culture that we grew up in. Uh, it's like a zero or one hundred kind of culture. There's not really a fifty. So, you know, everyone's trying to keep everybody cool, calm, because if someone gets mad, then they they want to take it to the extreme. No talking, no conversation action, you know? And so when everyone is like this, how do you live in something like that? You know? Uh, and so we had to learn how to live with each other as a community when we all know that everyone's like a match and they can just, Mm. you know, and so that's kind of how we grew up, but we had, um, what's the word we had ways of releasing that in a positive way. Um, Yeah, like Chicago footwork, like the dance that I do, you know, because it's a zero or 100 type of dance. It's not in the middle. You know, you have to flex, put a lot of your energy, emotions, feelings, connections to your people, uh, thoughts, whatever high energy expression or feeling you have, you know, it's the right kind of art to to hold on to it. So um, but yeah, like Chicago is very gang oriented, it's very group. We we represent anything that has to do with a group, team, organization, squad, gang, mob, clique. That's the lifestyle. It's like a wolf pack kind of culture and you don't want to be like alone. You want to have your people, your support, you know? And these people ride with you for anything. 
you know, like, and that's the support we like to grew up, we, we grew up with, you know, like, the, I remember the first time, you know, a friend would come to me, it is, it's, it's so crazy, because it's kind of like a Midwest thing, you know, even in, even in Detroit, and Detroit's right next to Chicago. I just got off the phone with a, a friend of mine named Mike Manson, and, <laughs> and this was in a normal conversation. He was just talking about bringing me to Detroit, you know, and having me teach a class. And I was like, man, I appreciate that. He was like, bro, you don't understand. You're, you're my bro, bro. Like, I will fight for you, bro. Like, and that's in our first, that's in the, the beginning of the conversation, but that's just how we grew up, to let you know our loyalty, you know? And, and so that's what I saw around me. And, and I was like, wow, these people are really serious about, like, being loyal to one, of each, to one another, probably because of survival and the whole lifestyle around it. So, you know, not to say everything is negative because it's not. Um, we have a lot of like wonderful history. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that Soul Train started in Chicago. Um, they, yeah, they also don't know that house music started in Chicago, uh, you know, and uh, we're right there in the middle between California and New York, uh, which is way smaller, but we have, oh, Walt Disney was born in Chicago. The person who created Disney, you know, like it's it's a lot of stuff. So, but uh, and then hip hop too. We 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 have a big history with hip hop. You know, our biggest guy is Common, um, and you know Kanye West and Lupe Fiasco, Twista, like all of these guys. Um, so a lot of people go through the struggles in Chicago and learn how to twist it into something that's productive, that can represent us in a good way. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be another fighter from Chicago that is fighting for something that we represent, that we, that we hold close to our heart. And that's our dance. No one knew about this dance for over 30 years, you know? And like when I was coming up in this dance, it was like 75% gangs in this dance, 25% not gangs. You know, so most of the groups that I wanted to join when I was 15, I would watch them do secret handshakes and stuff. And I would find out like, oh, yeah, this dance group, they represent, you know, Four Corner Hustlers or this group represents Vice Lords or this group represents the Black Peace Stones or the Gangster Disciples or the BDs or, the, you know, and just all these different gangs and stuff. So it wasn't just about the dance, too. And I think... For me, growing up from my parents, I grew up around gangs and stuff, but I love the groups that I was with. I just made my own group because I felt like I could represent in a more, I could push us further mm. in a more safer way. You know, like my group, I have over 70 members in my group from all around the world. And in the Chicago chapter of the group i do have people that were in opposite gangs in my group you know oh. but i wanted to give them a home where they don't have to focus on that you know yeah. and they can utilize what they have as a gift as a talent to push themselves further instead of just focusing on something more local i wanted everybody to start thinking more globally and you know i don't know so yeah there's a lot but chicago's an awesome place um, I still think it needs uh, some some uplifting 
And that's why I do so much work with people outside of Chicago, because I remember bringing the first person from outside of Chicago to Chicago. I remember bringing a white person into the black neighborhoods to, to come to a battle. And I wanted to see their reaction. And everyone was like, everyone was like quiet in a way where it was like, not in a racial way. It was more about like, how should they act? Read a room. How, how do you, yeah. yeah how, how do you move in the space like that? Yeah. yeah. How, how should, not the, not the white person. How, how should the black people were like, how we're acting like, you know, so, so some of them would come up to him and say, Hey, uh, so you, you do footwork. And he would say, yeah. And they would say, Oh, cool. Uh, They've never seen a white person do footwork before. So in their mind, they're curious, you know, mm. how does it look like? And then, and then if, if they ask you, can they teach you something? And you say, yeah, you just made their day so much higher because now they can tell their families that they taught a white person from a whole nother place this dance. The people in Chicago, especially in the Chicago footwork community, are very grateful and appreciative because we've been locked away for 30 years without anybody knowing our stuff. So we want people to, to learn it. Of course we want them to learn it the right way, but we're not in that, you know, some dances are in a, a political place where, you know, if, uh, if someone from a different race is doing their dance, they're very sensitive about that and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I understand that. We're, 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 you know, we're sensitive about anybody doing it the wrong way. It's not about a specific race. It's about a black person doing it the wrong way, a white person doing it the wrong way. So if you're doing it the wrong way, we have to fix you, you know. But um, we were very open to bringing people from outside to Chicago to, to learn it. But, you know, it's still a dangerous place, so we always try to take care of our guests when they come. For sure. Because, because, yeah, it gets a little, gets a little crazy. Yeah, but I mean, that is, I think that that is the same case in, in a lot of different styles. Now, I personally do dance hall. I've been to Jamaica several times. Going to downtown Kingston is not a game. You, you need to know how to move. You need to know who you're mm -hmm. moving with and, and be respectful. And being respectful in other countries and in other cultures, when you are a guest in that culture, is completely different. You have to be like on the listener position and like really taking it in. So I think that that's great. But I also, I'm really happy to hear that, uh, to, to get that recognition and to get that, like starting to see like we have this style and like how will the world see it if it gets out to Asia or to other parts of the world. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So were you like always interested in dance or was it something with footwork that kind of caught you? Uh, yeah. Since I could walk, I had to dance. Um, but we, we didn't really have a choice in my family. My, fa my family, both sides of my family all come from a musical background. Like my father is the oldest brother of eight siblings and they were all in musical bands together doing concerts since teenagers. 
My grandfather was a, a bass guitar player. Uh, my other grandfather was a, a promoter for events. And my mother was a singer. My aunts were backup singers. One aunt played the saxophone. My father played the guitar. Three uncles, drummers. All of them were performers. So when, so when the kids, when all the kids came over to my grandparents' house for the holidays, they forced us to perform for, for them. So it, some of us, some of the cousins would be crying. Some cousins would be happy to do it, but we didn't have a choice. We had to go out there, dance, do something. And me, I was the kid where I really wanted to. So I was always in it. I was always ready. Like I've done, I've uh, done a lot of like singing performances, rapping performances, dancing performances growing up. I stopped doing so much, um, music about like eight years ago um, because Chicago footwork started to really like take up my time. But my father trained me in a lot of things and he, and he trained my ear at a young age. So, so I've been dancing since I could walk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the footworking, was it like, um, what, what, how did it make you feel when you first oh. tried it? Oh yeah. Well, okay. So dancing, Since a kid, uh, Chicago footwork came when I was 14. Um, and I saw how it. it. How did it, how did it enter your life? Was it just like all around you or was it like you had to search for it in order to, to find it? No, no, no. Um, you know, like, uh, what's a, what's a good example? A good example. Any Latin places puerto rico cuba uh any south american places they all have salsa right in the house salsa in the house i i had salsa in the house i'm mixed with puerto rican too so i've had some salsa in the house but the number one dance of our people is chicago full work the music is on the radio every every day like The, the DJs, they know about it. We're all at the parties. Everyone's doing steps. This has been around since the 80s. This is our dance. This is like, even if you don't know how to do Chicago full work, you know a couple steps because yeah. it's in everyone's home, you know? Um, and if you're really old school, then you do this dance called Chicago Stepping, which is mm -hmm. like a partner dance, but it also has like footwork too. So, um, yeah. Everyone, everyone does it. But the way that I saw it was uh, at school, it was at a assembly. We call them assemblies where like sixth grade, seventh grade and eighth grade, they all come to the same gym, cafeteria or whatever. And one of the teachers got on the microphone and said, okay, class, this is spirit time. You know, there's going to be contests to see who has the most spirit from the sixth grade seventh grade or the eighth grade. So you have to really support your, your class, your grade, you know. We're going to have a dance contest. So I'm like, ooh, it's going to be a dance contest. I was in sixth grade. And so, I, yeah, so I was about 13, 14. So they, called, they, they said, we want the class to pick one dancer from each grade level. So in my grade, it's like, I don't know, 400 of us. They picked uh, this guy named Tristan. His name is Tristan. And it's crazy because Tristan lived across the street from my grandmother's house. So I saw him my whole life. I never knew he was a dancer. 
So uh, then they picked this guy named Corey from seventh grade. I remember all of this. And then they picked uh, this guy named Jason from eighth grade. They put them on the stage. They said, okay, we're going to count to three. We're going to play the music and you guys dance. Now, these were uh, white teachers, you know, in a black community. So they didn't know what the the students were going to do. You know, when they cut that music on, all three of the students started footworking. And I was, everyone was screaming. I was like, what is that? What are they doing? And Tristan, uh, maybe he won that competition. I think he won because he did a footwork move and then... This was around the time that The Matrix, the movie came out. So he did a footwork move and then he fell to the ground like he was dodging a bullet and then came back up and started footworking. It was incredible. So after that, my whole life was changed because uh, I was doing a lot of sports. I was doing basketball, skating, uh, soccer, like all types of stuff, football, you know. Um, But then I really wanted to learn about this dance. And uh, my friend told me, well, if you go to the skating rink down the street, because Chicago is very famous for skating. Markham uh, skating rink? Mar- Markham skating rink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Research. Okay. <laughs> <Doing> your research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Chicago is very famous for our skating. Um, we have a lot of skating groups and, and crews that do a lot of amazing tricks on the four-wheel skates. Wow. To, to James Brown music and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, so, nice. so in the skating rink at this particular skating rink, they had a small room called the juke room. And they told me if I go there, I'll see Chicago footwork. Now back then it wasn't called Chicago footwork. It was just called footwork because we were in Chicago. So yeah. we didn't, we, yeah, we didn't it need to. It makes sense. Yeah. 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 So I went in there and my life was changed forever. And it wasn't just because I saw the footwork. It's because I saw the juking too. Now, juking, I don't know if you know, but it's very similar to dance hall, mm. social dancing. Okay? So these teenagers are in this party. Ju- juking is when a guy and a girl get on each other. And Daggering. They yeah. They're, uh, Daggering. <laughs> yes. Now, the only the only difference uh, stop the only uh, the only difference is that they don't jump off of like big <laughs> things and fall on you. They, we don't do that, you know. Nah, nah. No, but they do stand up and they do, and that sometimes the guy, the uh, one guy is holding another guy more low so that you know the girl can do her thing or whatever, yeah. you know. Wow. So I saw that for the first time. And then I saw other circles where people were footworking and this was all happening at the same time. So my mind, my mind was just like, I was like, is this going to be, this is going to be my secret place that I'm pretty sure nobody's parents knows that they're in this party doing this right now. So we went there every Saturday, every Saturday. And then I started asking the town, like people everywhere, like, Hey, can, do you know footwork? Do you know footwork? Can you show me a footwork move? Can you? And I was just like, and my mom kept moving me from town to town. So every time we moved to a new neighborhood, I would ask who knows footwork in this new neighborhood. And I started, I had like five teachers. Most people only have like one teacher or two teachers. I had like five, six teachers because 
I kept moving from town to town. So I learned a lot of different styles of Chicago footwork, not just mm. one style. You know, every town that you're from, you do Chicago footwork in a different way because mm. it's a different community. There's different gangs in each town. There's different. And, and when I say town, I mean, I mean, like to drive through one town is probably five, 10 minutes to drive through one town and then you're in the next town. Wow. And so it's like only, so it's like a few hundred people in each town, but it's so, it's like, it's different. You know that you're in Markham. You know that you're in Country Club Hills. You know that you're in Hazelcrest. You know that you're in Harvey, you know, and it's only like not that far away from each other, you know, but that's yeah. crazy because it's almost like graffiti where people could see on their tags where it was from. So when you get together in like bigger battles, you could actually see like, oh, this guy must come from this area. Yes. Wow. Because we don't really um, like, and I forgot to tell you, but I'm from the outside of the city. So like in the city is where the heart of Chicago Full Work is from. Okay, but they had projects, project buildings. Okay, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, projects. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same like in New York and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they have project buildings, but these project buildings, um, the government didn't support the community and the lifestyle and these projects, so they, were t they started to tear them down. And all of these communities that grew up in these projects, um, they had to relocate, so they pushed... They were trying to do gentrification. Yeah. Yeah. Push gentrification. Out. Yeah. And then make hotels and stuff. So all of these people from these areas moved to the South suburbs out right outside of the city. And that's where I'm from. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. A lot of different towns. They, they're very prideful about where they're from. You know, I was born in Harvey. I was raised in Markham. Um, but when I travel the world, when any of us travel the world, we're all from Chicago. That's, yeah. that's what we say. Because even in Chicago, even in the city, you're like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the South Side. Okay. Where on the South Side? The low end, the ickies, uh, the 70s, the 80s. Where are you from? Wild hundreds. Like there's specific places even on the South Side. So, yeah, they break everything down because they're all about groups in Chicago. Mm. And clicks. Yeah. I, I think click is a better word. Click. Isn't it funny how when you're moving, like when you are actually traveling outside a country, suddenly you are unity. Like you're suddenly all together. you're all together. You're representing the same place <laughs> very proudly. Um, <laughs> and so, so tell me about creative or creation, which ah. one you prefer to say? Tell me about. You've been doing some research, huh? <laughs> <laughs> of course i want to know i want to know you know like i feel like as a dancer when you are getting your first crew that changed you in so many ways so tell me about that what happened with the discs and everything okay i'll try oh wow okay i'll try not to i won't go the long route because that's 19 years we've been a crew for 19 years now um i started that crew uh in 2001 Uh, it was just me and a couple of my friends in Markham, um, Paris, 
He's one of them. Um, RIP passed away a few years ago. Big Ryan, uh, CG, and uh, Kendall came around a little later. He was a little kid. He uh, passed away too a few years ago. So uh, we started because we wanted to represent our own thing, but we weren't strong enough to represent our own group in this culture because this culture is very like aggressive. And I was with another group, but that was a real dance group. Like I had to go to rehearsals and they were trying to do shows and go battle people and stuff. And my group was just like a bunch of kids trying to do something, you know? So I was learning information from these other groups, but every time I learned new information, I took my bike and I was riding my bike back to Markham because my grandmother lives there, all my cousins live there, my friends are there. So I would share more information and we would train. Um, one year, there was this competition called the King of the Circle. And one of my teachers, he made it to the finals and he won the King of the Circle. Uh, it was the most epic battle I've ever seen. Uh, the other guy, he passed out on the floor and the security had to pick him up. And yeah, it was really intense. Wow. And uh, so when I saw that, I was like, I'm gonna sign up next year. I don't care if I don't win. I know I'm not gonna win because I'm too young and all these high level footworkers are gonna be in this. But I just wanna say that I was a part of history, you know? because it was our only battle. We only had this battle at the time and it was once a year. So, I mean, we battled all the time, but battling for us in Chicago is, we don't need a judge or a one, two, three or a referee or a stage. We don't need Spin that. We bottle, no nothing. No, 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 no. <laughs> if in Chicago, if you want to battle, just say the word and we're going to move the chairs the table and we're going to do it right now. That's, that's how we, that's how we battle. We don't, we're not going to wait and try to organize something. Now people are organizing stuff more because we're understanding that it's a, it's okay. It's okay to organize some events, but the raw way of battling in Chicago full work is like, why wait? Call outs right, if right you, there. If you're emotional right now about something I said, why would you wait? Just battle me right now. Let's go. This is, you know, so anyway. So uh, this was our biggest event because this was our only event. So I really wanted to sign up the next year. And so me and my friend Luda, he was 13 or 12 years old. I was 14 or 15. I remember us walking like for like 45 minutes to get to this place because we didn't have a ride. Nobody could give us a ride to the battle. So we walked really far to, to get there and we were just imagining how it was going to be. And, and then I remember being in the line waiting to get inside and the, the police officers, the, Chicago's an aggressive place in the, in the black and Latino communities. Like they had big rock German Rottweiler dogs, like jumping at us and stuff. We're all like, stay in the line, stay in, you know, whatever. Police were aggressive, wow. whatever. But, uh, so then we finally get in and then I sign up and uh, I don't know how I made it to the finals, but I made it to the finals. You and made it I'm to the finals? Yeah. In the I'm, first battle? 
in my first battle. Yeah, it was a it was a crowd decision battle. So they raise your hand and the audience makes noise for you. And I don't know, maybe because I was the only light skinned person in the whole Chicago footwork community. I don't know, but um, yeah, because everyone in Chicago footwork, like they're like I'm mixed. They're like black, you know, like dark skinned black, you know. But uh, I don't know. I made it to the finals against this girl that was in uh, this crew that I was in called Triple Phase. And we battled. And then, oh, yo, it was so crazy, yo. Like, people don't even understand. People don't even understand. Like, yo, you want to talk about broke? I was super broke. Like, I know how to work and how to build myself up. And, and, and I know how to start from scratch and how to be humble because I was wearing my cousin's sweater because I didn't have a shirt that, that looked cool. I was wearing his shoes. And because I only had two pair of jeans, I had my jeans inside out just to change the color of the jeans. That's what I was wearing at the finals. And then I won, right? So I won and, and uh, all the dance groups that I was with, they they wanted me to throw up their group their group sign like triple phase was this you know because I was with different dance groups I told you I was moving around a lot and I was you know and they they never paid attention to me because I was the little kid but now that I won this competition everyone's like waiting for me to represent like this is final chapter <clears throat> this is uptown triple phase uh who else was I with uh, I think Terra Squad was like this at the time. Did you have to do a whole choreo then? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You want to know what happened? I did this. And then I did that. And everyone was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Nobody knew what that was because that was me and my friend's little group. I didn't want to throw up anybody else's group. I wanted to throw up my, me and my friends. You know? And so it wasn't to disrespect my teachers. It was just because I was the closest with my age friends, you know, like, and that's what I did. And then um, some, a girl came up to me and she was like, hey, Charles, uh, congratulations. Um, you need to, uh, I got $200 as a prize. She was like, she was like, you need to, you need to uh, put that money away right now because people are looking at you. And I'm going to get you out of here right now. Like, I'm going to get you out of here in like 10 minutes. So I'll be back. When I give you the cue by the door, let's leave right now. So my cousin was there. And so he's more, he was more of a fighter. He's a tough guy. So I was like, well, if I give him my money, it'll be safe with him. So I went to my cousin. I said, hey, hold on to this money because people are trying to like get it from me. Like guys were coming up to me like, congratulations to, like touching my side <laughs> you know and so and so uh i gave it to my cousin and then i got in the car and my, uh, this girl took me home and i forgot to get the money from my cousin and i saw him the next day and he was a little bad back in the day he wasn't my best cousin so when he gave me my money he gave me 170 back i was like where's my where's my 30 dollars dude so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where your $30 is. Uh, whatever. It's crazy stuff, right? But it's all good. So um, it wasn't about the money. It was more that, like, I won. And 
the next weekend, the DJ, he, uh, he told everybody, he was like, yo, 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 we got King Charles in the building. When I walked in the room, he was like, we got King Charles. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't that's want the attention. Name. I don't want that attention. No, no, no. I was like, that's not my name. This is Chicago. I don't want the attention of King Charles. Everybody was like, so you, so you calling yourself King Charles? I said, no, not me. He said, yeah, but the DJ just said that that's what you call yourself. And they don't talk a lot in Chicago. So everyone was coming at me, battling me, pushing me, like pulling my shirt back. Cause in, cause in our culture, uh, we we touch in Chicago for work. Mm. We we can touch. So they're pushing me and dan- but they're dancing, you know. And like, so yeah, I got burnt. Like, or people say smoke, but in Chicago we say burnt. Like, I got burnt a lot of times. And but what it did for me was it it pushed me to practice even more mm. and 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 to defend myself. I needed to to take care of myself. I, I want to keep going to this party. But I'm not going to let you guys just keep, you know, jumping me like this. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to practice. I'm going to come back and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to come back. And every time you're going to see this, even if it's just a little bit, that's what I did. But to just to finish this story, I went to a, a, a cruise practice. We went to a, a cruise practice. Remember the guy I told you about? at the the first guy that I ever seen do Tr- Chicago for Tristan. Tristan. Yeah. Tristan, yeah. We went to his practice with his crew and uh, we were about to battle and practice and they were like, hey, before we battle, I just want to play this new footwork track that just came out. They go and they're giggling, they're laughing and stuff. I'm like, why are they laughing? And then the track comes on and it's like, oh, by the way, the group that we started was called Creative. Yeah. Right. It was called Creative. So when they cut on this song, it said my teacher's name. It said two other, two other people's name. And I was like, okay, this sounds like a dope track. When the beat dropped, can I curse on here? Yeah. Okay. When the beat dropped, it was like, fuck creation, fuck creation, fuck creation. Just <laughs> over and over and over and over. I was like, <laughs> what? Every, everyone, everyone was laughing, and I was like, "Who's creation?" They were like, "That's you." I said, "Create." Oh, they made a mistake. Our crew is called Creative. They said, "Well, your crew's called Creation now." <laughs> and so, ever since that day, we've been called Creation because our first track was a diss record towards us because of what I did at the King of the Circle when I threw up the seat. And, uh, but just like in other uh, histories, you know, where they use a bad name uh, for a bad reason and people flip it to be something, you know, to embrace, that's the same thing we did, you know. Um, King Charles wasn't my choice. Creation wasn't my choice. We took it, we ran with it. And we turn it into something positive. So and see I, how far. If they would only know, like when they dropped that song, what ha- would have happened with creation and what little King Charles would be able to do. That is some epic memories to look back at, man. That yeah. is some epic. It's crazy. And I mean, now we're probably jumping quite a lot of years, but you also ended up being an artistic director for Chicago, 
footwork kings. Yes. Like what you never left your original crew, but it was okay to become a part of a next crew too. Or was, was it like a, how, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, so I had management before that. Um, it was a company called Shotainment and they were really promoting us. Uh, and they were doing great promotion for creation. Um, and then one of their meetings was with this woman named Lady Soul. And, um, I wanted to sit in on this meeting because I was the president of creation. I know I don't know anything about business at age 18 years old, but I represent my crew and these are my brothers and sisters. So I wanted to hear what they were talking about. And this woman, this Mexican woman, she looked very, I don't know, like confident in herself. She, she looked like she had a lot of experience and like power, you know? So after they talked to her, I went to her and said, hey, uh, my name's Charles. Um, I'm the leader of the crew. Could I get you a business card too? I just want my own copy. And she gave me a business card. Later on, when we lost our connection with our former managers, um, I got scared and I needed some support. And I didn't know who could help us. And I was scared that our career was over um, before it started, really. So I contacted Lady Soul. And I said, hey, um, I'm coming back from New York because we just won a competition. I'm coming back from New York and um, I wanted to know if you can give me a ride home. I'll give you gas money. I just really wanted to talk to you. So we got in the car and I, I poured my heart out to this woman because like I, I, I never had any backup plan. Like I never finished high school. Like still, you know, like I just went straight for my dreams, like with what I love to do. And I wanted to prove to my team and my family that we can do this, you know. So I, I poured my heart out to Lady Soul and she said, OK, I'll see what I can do. You know, just, you know, just wait on my call. I'll call you and see if I can, like, find some jobs or some shows or something or maybe some class training and stuff. She's a very professional woman. She has a long history in teaching classes and different styles. She also uh, is like her biggest, she's like a really big fan of reggae and like dance hall. Like, uh, I'm not sure if she's a fan of like the new school dance hall, but I know for sure she's a fan of the old school stuff. Um, so anyway, she, she brought me and three other members of my crew on to this project where we called ourselves Creation Footwork Kings. A lot of people don't know this. Mm. So we had a six month project where we were called Creation Footwork Kings and we were doing high school shows and stuff like that, building our name. And then she started to feel uncomfortable. And she said, um, I feel like we need the city's support to really be big. And we're not gonna have the city support because you are one crew and there's many crews and these other crews are not going to support us. So I think we should make a separate company and just call it Footwork Kings. I don't want to disrespect what you have here with creation, but we should do something over here and call it Footwork Kings and bring other people from other crews into the same ensemble. And that's what we did. I was her first. So I became the artistic director. Um, she was the CEO, the founder uh, of the business. It became a business. And um, 
Yeah, we had a lot of people from different crews. And uh, it worked for a few years, like about seven, seven years, maybe even eight years. We came out with the first Chicago Full Work documentary, um, America's Best Dance Crew, America's Got Talent. We did a lot of great things. Um, uh, eventually, some people from the crew, from that crew, started to leave for different reasons. And then, you know, I kept telling Lady So, I, I'm training people in my crew, creation. They're ready. If you need more dancers in Footwork Kings, I got them. So every time somebody, you know, couldn't or wasn't a part of Footwork Kings anymore, I tried to, you know, get other people from my crew to take the place. So by the end of Footwork Kings, it was mostly creation members, but... I mean, what can I say? I'm very loyal to my crew. So, um, and then I moved to LA after uh, Madonna and uh, Footwork Kings kind of just like stopped after that because there was a disconnection a little bit, like not a disconnection, but like uh, it worked really smoothly when the founder, the artistic director and the rest of the dancers had order like that. But I left and I, I wanted to push Chicago footwork further, more globally mm. and for communities and stuff. Uh, so we kind of just started doing different projects. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, like for me, the interesting part is how you take like such a local style and then suddenly you start doing commercial gigs. You mentioned Bandana, you've been in several music videos, like how what has been one of your biggest learning moments entering the commercial scene coming from the styles that you represent, you know? Madonna. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Madonna being on tour with Madonna took two years of my life, uh, to complete. Um, I was 21 when I booked Madonna and I finished when I was 23. So, Yeah, that was a life-changing time for me because because every reason, oh my God, this is crazy. Just traveling the world, that was the whole reason I got a passport. I got a passport because I got on that tour. I didn't even have a passport before that. Like, and then even the audition was crazy. The audition process for a Madonna tour is no joke. It's like 3,000 people for three days. I mean, people on stilts walking past you, like with capes and boobs out with flaming hoop things and just animals. And, you know, you're like, what's going on? We came in there with like, I came in there with like a white t-shirt. I came in there. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I came in there. My, I had braids. We went to the front desk to sign up. And they were like, they were moving so fast. They didn't even look at me. They were like, okay, agency, your name. I was like, huh? Uh, my name's Charles, but hey, did you say agency? Agency? You don't have an agency? Okay, somebody give me a white piece of paper. They put a white piece of paper on my shirt with a smiley face. And I was walking around the whole place with that. Other people had their agencies and their their headshots and their pictures and their portfolios and stuff. We didn't have nothing, you know, and we made it from the first day. And then we, and I was sick. I had the flu. I remember I was really sick too. 
um, we, uh, we, <laughs> we made it past the first day. And every day when we went back home to the hotel in L.A., uh, we would have a, a battle competition on the way home in the middle of the street when the light turns red we would the cars would be watching and one person go out and we footwork and we see who gets the most uh the most honks from the cars and then we went home we didn't think we were going to book a madonna tour we we thought we were going to go back to chicago and say yo guess what we we did a, a audition for madonna that's it you know we didn't so second day we had to learn choreography and um, me, I was a good dancer, like natural, good dancer. Like I had good groove and I can like catch on to what you're doing. But I wasn't clean, like in choreo execution. Like I wasn't super, super clean, but I can pick it up. You know, uh, my other friend. Look, the last day they split us up. Oh, I have to tell you this real quick before they before they split us up. So on the last day, Madonna finally came. Madonna wasn't there for the first two days. She came on the last day. She sat on, on the front of the table and she had her arms crossed and she said, okay, I want everybody to get off the floor. I want to see the Jukers from Chicago. She called us Jukers. We were looking around like, they're like, yeah, I think she's talking about you guys. So we got on the floor. It was just us three. And she said, so... I have a new song that I didn't release yet, and it was produced by Pharrell Williams. And I want to see what you guys can do to it. You ready? I was like, we're always ready. I whispered to my friends. I was like, okay, TJ, you do that footwork routine with me that we, that we practice. J-Ron can't do that. J-Ron couldn't even do a routine. So I was like, he can't do it. So we're going to slide, and then he's going to slide through and just kill it in the freestyle. So that's what we did. We did our routine. Then J-Ron came through the middle and he went so crazy. He was kicking his legs over the table, the judge table, over Madonna. Like we were just going crazy. And so they were very impressed. And then we, uh, they split us up and they put us in different choreo groups. And this was the scariest moment for me because I watched both of my friends mess up really, really bad in the choreo. J-Ron messed up so bad that for like, I think it was like eight counts of eight, he didn't even dance. He was just standing there and the other three dancers were killing the choreo. But after you finish the choreo, you have to freestyle. So J-Ron was standing there waiting. And when it was freestyle time, he went crazy. Like he went so crazy. And so I did a little better. I did the choreo and the freestyle and they lined us up. And then um, that's when they cut one of my friends. It was three of us. They cut one of my friends at the end. Mm. And then um, she also asked everybody our birthdays. She said, I want all of you to tell me all of your birthdays. And we were like, okay. So we told her our birthdays. And she was like, I just wanted to make sure there was no Scorpios in the room. Oh, I'm a Scorpio. Wait a second. Oh, no, no. No, look. And this is crazy because... She's superstitious, but there was only one Scorpio in the whole tour. And because there was two brothers, the Talawega brothers, uh, who were the choreographers for our tour. And one of them was a Scorpio. So I don't know. Maybe she has a special exception for specific Scorpios. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. 
<laughs> Can you imagine being there for three days doing your best, you're killing everything, and then you get burned because of your birthday? <laughs> like, really? Is that the end? Oh my, I would be so pissed though. I would yeah. be so pissed. Yeah, wow. so, so just to make a long story short, it was, a, it was very life-changing. We learned about how serious um, people can be about performance. And um, we had to dance in front of a hundred thousands of people every night. Um, we had to work out, we had to be super fit. Um, and uh, everything was, was like this. If they're asking for something, it's like this. If you can't deliver, go home. It's like that. So it's like, we had to say yes. We had to be yes people. Hey, uh, Charles, Jay, um, can you guys flip? No, but, but we, we'll do it for you. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just using an example, but we had to be like ready for anything. Like me and J-Ron had to box every night in the show. So we had to get a personal boxing uh, trainer to teach us how to professionally box because we were sparring with no gloves and we had to aim for each other's faces. And if we missed, we hit each other in the face. Like literally they wanted, I didn't know why they wanted us to do that, but then I found out that they wanted us to choreograph a Chicago footwork boxing performance, mixing boxing with Chicago footwork because they wanted something that was so a high energy that a hundred thousand people could watch us instead of Madonna and Madonna could leave the stage and go change into her, her, her second outfit. So it had to be so explosive that she could leave and we can keep the attention. So me and Jaron every night in one of the songs, it was 26 songs. We had to dance and fight every night in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And like, When we tried to show this performance to Madonna before the, the concert, you know what she said to us? She was like, okay, so I'm, I mean this in the nicest way, but you guys hit like pussies and my little daughter can hit harder than you guys. So if you don't fix this, I'm gonna have to find somebody else who can't. That was, it was, now, now look, I don't want to make it sound like Madonna's a super bad person because on a, Because like when it's party time or when like we need to talk to her, like in another way, she's like a mother, she's like a friend. She has many different hats. But when she's in manager mode, like boss mode, she's, she's, she's hardcore. So, so we had to keep practicing, you know, and make it really intense. It's on YouTube. You can type uh, die another day, um, uh, sticky and sweet tour. If you type that, you'll see the I'm performance. Every night we were just kicking each other's asses. So like, um, anyway, the, the, it, was, it was very life-changing. I, I, you know, I realized that I wanted to be in a relationship with like someone from another country after that tour or during that tour. That's when I was like, yo, this world is so amazing. I want to learn languages. I want to eat different foods. I want to try different traditions everything so it it took me to a whole nother place and like i i don't know a part of me is just i'm just one with the world now like i'm just like i don't know i i after that tour i was traveling for 13 years straight the only reason i stopped traveling the world for 13 years straight like every month 
is because of COVID-19 and the riots right now. That's the only reason I slowed down. So, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I I think I I would never change that. What I experienced on that tour. I've gotten punched in the face on that tour. I'm talking about in a dance hall club. I went to a dance hall club in London and this big French black dude was getting a drink behind me. And I was trying to dance for these girls at the, at this booth. And I was trying to do like my new move. I was like trying to impress them and stuff like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to do like this spin arm swing thing. And he was behind me. I didn't know he was behind me. And he went to take his drink like this. And I did a spin and knocked his whole drink. I tried to say, sorry, he didn't even wait. He just went for the punch and he almost hit right here, but he hit me in the neck. So it made, it made like a loud smack. Everyone thought that he hit me right here, but I didn't move. And then my friend threw me across the room and they kicked him out and all this other stuff. I experienced a lot of stuff on that tour. Not even on stage while you were fighting, but in the club. In the club, you know, it's, and it wasn't my fault. The dancer, there was a guy named Norman. And if he ever sees this, he's going to laugh. Norman had did three Madonna tours already. I was the rookie. He was the experienced guy. So he knew I was the rookie. So he called my phone every night at the hotel. Hey, Charlotte, get dressed. We go to club. Come, we go. Boom. I have to go. I'm 21, 22 years old. This guy's an OG. Okay, I got to go with him. And every time I went somewhere with him, we got into something crazy. I was like, damn, this guy. But it wasn't his fault. It's all good. I, I, I learned a lot on that tour. I'm 33 years old now. You know, I have a lot of stories that I can tell about that. So, so many stories. And I know that we could probably talk for hours yeah. about this because we're yeah, like skipping so many years now where it's like, okay, so you started to teach, you actually made like a global dance crew. I don't even know where to get into that, but um, like you've been visiting so many countries. Have you ever thought about living outside of the States or have yeah. you lived outside of the States? Mm, when I w- when <laughs> whenever I'm in a country, I try to live there for that moment, I tried to really like feel like I'm living there. I tried to stay at someone's house, you know, do what they're doing. I don't, I'm not the, like the big, oh, I, just put me in a hotel. Like, you know, unless, unless you're just like somebody I really don't feel a vibe with and okay, we have nothing to talk about, nothing in common. Okay, hotel. But most of the time I try to really live out the experience. But as far as living, There was one time because uh, I was in a relationship for four years uh, with a Persian girl from Sweden. Well, she was born in Persia, but she moved to Stockholm. And we were living together in L.A. And at one point, I was just like, you know, well, you lived out here. So once you're finished with school, how about we just move to Stockholm? You know, she was like, "Are are you sure? I was like, well, me, I can get work anywhere. I don't need to be in one place to get work. Most of my work is traveling. So if I live in Sweden, I can just move around. So I started telling all the organizers, like, be ready. In one year, I'm going to be living in Sweden, you know. Um, So all the organizers were getting ready, but then I had to cut that short because we 
we separated and mm. yeah. So I had a, a different plan after that. So Sweden didn't become the next footwork capital. <laughs> I'm so sad to hear that. You know, uh, if you want to give us another shot, I'm in Amsterdam now. So the Netherlands is also popping, you know. You know, uh, I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be there this year for the first time to teach class. I mean, I've been there before, but I never taught class. I was supposed to be there. John was going to bring me out um from uh summer dance to teach a class for summer dance wow oh my gosh next time i hope i hope i was there last year and it's an amazing event in one of the most really like old school clubs here uh so yeah next time amsterdam you have to you have to let me know um okay basically i wrote down a couple sentences and i would love you to fill in the blanks in the end Okay. Like, for example, a great dancer is. <laughs> Groovy. Great. So whatever, you know, King Charles wants to say, no judgment, just go for it. Okay. Right. Footworking should contain. Deep feeling. That's connected. Does it have to be one word? No, 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 no. Oh, you can, okay. Also, the end of the sentence. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Deep feeling, you know, that that has to be connected with some, some grooves, not just kicks and arms and big moves. Yeah. Great. An amazing artistic director is? Someone that's open to the dancers that are on that team or in that company or a part of that ensemble, not just expecting to create everything from the artistic director's mind, but to be open to who is dancing because maybe they have excellent ideas too. Working as a team, you know, I think uh, being a good student is, you know, always important for a leader or a teacher um, to constantly be open to new things. So Utilizing the people on your team. Great. Great. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. <laughs> A performance that touches your soul should be. Oof. Performance that touches your soul should be. Should be a roller coaster. Should be a well-written story. Um, I don't want to see just a climax in the beginning and in the end. I want to see something that takes me on an emotional ride. If it takes me on a good ride, then it's going to take my emotions on a good ride. And I think that's an excellent performance. Something that makes you go up and down and around and around and takes you to a destination before it's finished, I think is a good performance. That can be from 20 seconds to two hour concert you have enough time to, to, to tell a story because you're communicating and where are you trying to take your story to? So I think that's a good performance for me. Now I have to stick in there because I, I think I saw in one of your credits, you had Omerian word for word maybe yes. music video. That was a roller coaster of a music video. Did you direct that? N- no, no, no. Um, actually, Omarion got his uh, big opportunity to uh, direct one of his first uh, videos of 
of him just being a director for it. Um, so he really wanted to make it like an extended kind of video. And so me and uh, Tango, we just helped choreograph it and train him uh, artistically for the video. Uh, but those were his ideas, like going to Japan and wanting to do all that stuff. He wanted to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool, <laughs> cool. Okay, next one. I do not vibe with. Robots. I do not Siri. vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do not vibe with robots. And that's a literal statement. Like, how can you vibe? with a robot, you can't. So what I mean metaphorically is that anyone who's taking classes and learning from other people or following like a fashion or something, still remember that you are you, so be you. Like dig deep inside of you so that you look like you. I don't wanna watch dance videos and everyone looks the same because I'm gonna quit watching dance videos. I think people need to take the foundation and the information that they learn and the, and the cultures that they learn and realize that the best people in these cultures are the people who know who they are, you know, like they, they know themselves because they live their life deep with themselves and they connect with other people knowing who they are. So, um, yeah, no, no robots. You know, I don't train any robots. I train people to literally be the best person that they can be because we got to make more superheroes out here. And superheroes aren't the same. They're all different types of superheroes. So, yeah, no robots. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Okay, okay. Uh, I love seeing. <laughs> Why was I about to say hugs and kisses? Okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> because we're in isolation and quarantine, and that's what you yeah. need right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. I, I love seeing good connections form, create, become something. You know, I love seeing, I do love seeing that. I love seeing two new people that I know meet each other and they're like from totally different places. And I just sit back and I'm just like, you know, because like, I don't want it to only be me connecting with all these wonderful people around the world. Oh. I want the people that I know that I grew up with to also get these experiences and the people that I'm meeting on, on the road to get these experiences because the best education that I've ever had, I told you I didn't finish school, but yeah. I'm living school every day because I'm traveling, because I'm connecting with so, so many different races and cultures. I want people to get this deeper connection and education too because it's like it feeds you and i love seeing people get fed the right way like i'm one of these people i can so recognize myself and i'm one of those that oversells like every person that i meet to each other like i if i'm gonna you know <laughs> introduce somebody i am telling like oh my gosh this for me is I'm so happy you two are meeting because this and this person has done this and this, and they're like always so awkward next to me. I'm like, okay, you just told my life story. Yeah. And I'm like, but you both are so dope. You should. That's talk. the best. <laughs> that's the best right there. You have to do that because that's how you feel, you know? Like, if you feel like they're not doing themselves a justice, 
you have to do the justice for them. You, they're talking and they're trying to be really humble and stuff. And you're like, no, no, no. Hey, did she tell you that she did this before? Blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> you're like, can I finish saying my name before you're like saying that I'm not <laughs> introducing myself correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I can. I sign up on that. Um, too hi- I'm a hype man. You know, I'm hyping yeah. everyone that I meet. So I can definitely recognize myself in that. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, great worth, uh, work ethic means appreciating every step of a process. Um, a lot of people think that they work hard, mm, but they took shortcuts, you know, and then to, to get the job. But other people are in the same position or higher and they took all the proper steps. These steps, if they're not helping you, the beginning steps, if they're not helping you today, they probably will help you tomorrow or in 10 years. You're gonna need every step of starting something. And, and like, I know this, you know, I used to sell shoes for my uncle when I was 14 at a flea market, you know, where all these different people were selling all these different things around me. Everything was really fast. And I'm just trying to help my uncle box everything. And then I worked at a chicken restaurant for four years, you know, and I was mopping floors and I was cleaning toilets. And then I worked my way from there to the the kitchen area, cleaning dishes, and then the prepping area, prepping the food, then cooking and then cashier and then drive through cashier. And then I started doing everything, you know, like I appreciated every step of the work, you know, because it taught me something in every different category. So you can be the newest person of a dance group or you can be the leader. But, you know, how is your like, how do you appreciate the process of the work? You know, Mm. so, yeah, that's I don't know. That's the work for me. Um, I need to know where I begin. If I'm going to start some work, I need to know what's level one. I don't want to skip any levels just because it looks flashy on level six. I need level. one. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to let that sink in with me a little bit. That's cool. Um, I have got respect when I. The first thing that comes to my mind, I have got respect when I shut up and speak with my action. Yeah. Um, A lot of people are talking at the wrong times nowadays, you know, and uh, I think if they can understand that translation is in many different ways and not just one way or communication, you know, then maybe you can earn respect from somebody in another way because some people's ears don't want to hear anything anymore. They they're so numb because everyone's, trying to explain their situation in this way and that way. And I realized that. I feel like I have important things to say, but everyone doesn't want to always hear from my mouth. Okay. I respect that. I'm going to go over here. I'm not going to say anything, but you are going to feel me. You're going to feel me. I'm going to say everything. I'm going to say everything without saying anything, you know? And day by day, I'm getting more and more respect from people because I'm holding in what I want to say and I'm letting it out in different artistic ways. 
that's the power of an artist, you know, someone who can create. And I'm creating different ways of communication. I really, really, really want to communicate with people and get their respect. So I'm practicing on how, how to earn this person's respect, how to earn this person's respect. You know, I know I can't please everyone, but um, I think, yeah, shut, that's what the choreographer told me on the Madonna tour. I asked him for some advice before the tour started. You know what he said to me? I said, I said, hey, if there's any advice you can give me on this tour before it starts, uh, what, would, what would you tell me? He was like, shut the fuck up and learn. He said it just like that. Now, I could have took that the wrong way. But I'm a, I didn't even start the tour yet. And this is the choreographer. I'm not about to quit. I'm not about to let him make me quit because of what he said. I'm going to take it in. And I'm going to really try to just let that sit. Okay. All right. Learn. Okay. So I, I put two and two together. I need to shut up and show people that I'm learning and show people that I'm growing and show people what I want to say. You know, I don't always have to talk. So I think that's a good way to earn some respect. You know, like, you know, if you want to earn the respect on the basketball court, are you going to tell everybody about how good you are? Or are you going to go on that court and you're going to show them? Mm. You know, that's it. That's yeah. it. Okay. If I could change one thing globally. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm hitting. <laughs> This is morning for you too. I'm, I'm, I'm going hard. I just, came from, <laughs> I just came from Black Lives Matter protest. I'm like, wow. Fired up, you know, so. Uh, wow. One thing globally, King Charles, what would it be? <laughs> Because you've seen a lot of places. Yeah. The government. Yeah. Mic drop out. <laughs> yeah. That says a lot. I think you, we can leave it like that. Yeah. We can, do, we can leave it like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. To keep talent long-term. It goes back to that process. It goes back to those stages. You know, um, what I learned in the stages of growth artistically from like Lady Soul and different people, where they were teaching me and training me for the longevity of my career. Not the short-term, not that fast life in the moment, you know. Uh, how to how to take everything that you have and stretch it for your whole life you know how do you stretch everything because it's really easy to dump everything in a few days of what you have to have a student and give and try to give them everything that you have as fast as possible they're not even supposed to get it that fast you didn't get it that fast you know You got it step by step. So why don't so why don't you appreciate the step by step journey? Because if you appreciate the step by step journey, then you find the nutrients in the information in every step 
which helps you stretch out this whole thing for the rest of your life. And then you need to pass that same thinking on to the next person, step by step, step by step, appreciate the steps. There's something there. I have students that are teachers now, traveling the world, teaching. When they do a private lesson with me, I take them back to the basics. They're like, yeah, but, but I already have the basics. I'm like, mm, but have you mastered these basics? There's variations that you've never seen. Here's another one. Oh my God, I've never seen that before. Right. You should never be, you should never feel like because I'm, I, I graduated from stage one that I don't need to visit stage one anymore. Mm. You should always visit, visit every stage, you know, um, because that's going to help you learn about how to stretch yourself, you know, and, 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 and show levels to everything. So, yeah. So before I forget the actual question, cause I really <laughs> keep talent long-term to keep talent yes. long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Practice on how to like, um, uh, stretch yourself wide and not spread yourself too thin, mm. you know? Um, you don't want to spread yourself too thin, you know? Sometimes I observe how I'm posting online and I'm like, okay, I just posted a video with some fire. I don't think I need to post five more videos right now of, of more fire right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post other things like maybe messages from other people or pictures or stuff like that. I don't need to just keep dropping bombs of videos. Just like, you know, no, 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 it's okay. You know, because two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, I see more people still, still liking that same video, you know, from there. So people are still like taking things from it, you know, or taking things from, I don't know. There's a lot of ways to stretch yourself out wide. And I think people need to like learn how to do that more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hit you with the last one. Last one. Oh my God. Got to drink some water for this one. I, my personal movie ending. Oh, oh, this is my, this is my world right here. This is my world. I'm stretching. Let me stretch. This is going to sound so cliche. This is going to sound so like, you know. <laughs> are we coming back to the kisses and hugs or <laughs> where are we landing with this? <laughs> the hero saves the day and he gets the girl or the girl gets the guy. For me, I don't know. I just... I'm a, I got a soft spot for that. You know, my favorite, my favorite movie uh, of all times is The Matrix. So, because it represents so many things that's happening right now and like the system and are we living in The Matrix and blah, 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 um, metaphorically, right? And then how, he, how this guy who just doesn't have any value for himself realizes that like he can help change the world that people know. And then the woman that's helping him do it because she already sees the light, you know, and she's trying to guide this guy because she knows that he can be the one. And then he has a mentor and mm, it's just, 
Yeah, and then like he doesn't let her die. He can feel her dying and he saves her. You know, I don't know. I just love those heroic movies. I got a whole catalog in my room that fills a whole wall of just heroic movies. And it's my actual fuel for for every day. I, I love watching movies like that. And then it pumps me up and I translate it into my art. Like I translate it into my life. Like I know I'm not that same person, but I'm my own hero. So I need to, I need to live like life. I need to live life like that. You know, a lot of people, and I go back to social media, a lot of people make posts. They want to express themselves. But in that moment, they're not thinking about a nine-year-old kid that has the same social media that they have. They're not thinking about that. But if you're a hero, a hero is for the people. So not only are you representing how you feel, but you need to represent it in a way that it can translate to people of all ages as much as possible. You're not going to be perfect, but you know, you want to inspire, you want to motivate. Right. So, you know, that's us doing our part, you know? So like, I think about the kids, I got 70 people in my crew from age 10 to age 40. So like, I'm always trying to guide them the right direction. I want the kids' parents to be comfortable with what I post. I, I care about all of them. So I try to stay on top of that. And I realized that people like Will Smith, he even said it in his last music video. He said, like, I made it this far in my career without even cursing. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that I'm Will Smith, but I'm just using him as an example to say, like, don't feel scared to represent things the way that you want to for the people you care about just because other people don't do it that way. You know, like there's a lane where you don't have to change who you are in a bad way and can still inspire people, you know? So you just have to be more creative and artistic with your gifts. So I don't know, but yeah, the hero, the hero. It seems like you are living that, like that is, even your movie ending and where you're heading trying getting becoming the community hero getting the girl <laughs> you know not letting her die no seems fair seems yes fair. yeah yeah you know king charles i have i i feel like kim I need to book in another interview with you. We have so much more to talk about. And and um, I cannot stress the fact that we haven't even got into like your rap and MC oh. career. Uh, you know, so let me, is it okay if I book another interview with you further down the long run? Ten, I don't care. We could do this all the time. Yeah, hit me up. So uh, I just want to kind of finish off with leaving you to the mic. Uh, is there anything we should look out for project-wise? Uh, anything you want us to know? Anyone you want to shout out? Whatever you want to say, the mic is yours. I want to give a shout out to all my loved ones around the world, uh, my blood and the people who are just friends and family, uh, even the people that I met one time, you know, uh, if we've affected each other in some type of way, shape or form, I appreciate you. And, uh, I hope you're doing good out there. Uh, just know that the sky 
is not the limit. I don't care what anybody says. It's not the limit. The limit is what you make it, you know, uh, create. Let's all just keep creating positive, loving things uh, for the person right next to you and from across the world. You know, let's stay connected. We're all connected. And uh, be on the lookout for classes. I'm always teaching. Uh, I do free group chats where we have groups that want to just really train for free, you know, and they can't afford it. We're training with the whole country of India, you know, like and we're doing a lot of stuff with them. And in Brazil, I have a master class coming up for anybody who wants to challenge themselves. That's happening on June 21st. That's Tokyo time, 11 a.m. Um, but if this doesn't get out before then, it's all good. Uh, just know that I'm always teaching classes. You guys can just check my Instagram. If you want to do a background check on me, check my website, kingcharlesfootwork.com. And that's about it. You're a beautiful person. I appreciate you for setting this up with me. Thank you so, so much. Your time is gold to me. And I can't wait for us to have another shot in the future. Definitely. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, you take care. You too.